This is BioBusters, Professors Hanging Out Talking Science, episode number 24, recorded on March 4th, 2020. Hello, folks. You are listening to the podcast that takes you beyond the classroom and into the trenches of science. I'm Dr. Abby Abdallah, and I'm here with Dr. Fawner and Dr. Keller. Good morning. I'm doing fantastic today. How are the two of you doing? <laughs> he brought really it. good. He really brought great. the energy. This he is did. great. He brought the I've energy. I've had two uh, quadruple shots of espresso and I'm ready to go. We're going to talk about coronavirus, right? This is fantastic. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, it's not fantastic for those infected, but it's good to update the information. Wow. This is not the fun right now. No, this is the last time I'm going to tell him bring some energy into the podcast. <laughs> whenever, whenever I'm challenged, I tend to rise to the occasion. That's and right. And over the top. How are we all doing? Good. Daylight savings time, uh, what, this coming weekend? Oh, so, is it? Uh-huh. It's amazing how not many people know that. We're taking photo shoot. Thanks for taking my picture. Um, I'm just looking at updates on my phone. Oh, gotcha. Bloomberg Cro- just Cro- ended his political campaign. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, he just ended his run. Yeah, they oh. said he was going to do that today. Wow. Yeah, he was going to review. Wow. Endorses Joe Biden on top of that. Yep. Okay. Okay, well, to Moving remain on. as apolitical <laughs> as possible. Yeah, no, uh, we're not taking sides. We're just, we're just saying no, one no, That no. was a report. Just exactly. You heard it here first. I like <laughs> That's this right. banter. You heard it here first. <laughs> we need more banter. When you listen to this later. Um, what about your guys' semester? Is it ramping up, ramping down? I mean, it's busy uh, as always, right? But... Busy as always. Uh, now, now's a good time for me, but we're doing a lot of PhD work right we now. Are, and we are. Start the getting PhD our research course. ramped up quite a bit. Yeah, so I, I got think a this is different focus at the moment. Got the students in the lab uh, learning how to plate plates and uh, spread things. I I had them uh, read PDFs earlier this week. I sent them out a bunch of PDFs to read. And I'm going to bring them in just to learn uh, some basic techniques before we do. Just have Rob help them out. Yeah, before we do bacteria. That reminds me, we need to touch base with our uh, lit review students. I meant Mm -hmm. to send that email out at the end of last week, and I forgot. I'll do that today. Maybe we'll have to do a research report on one of these. Yeah. Even if it's a... Special episode. I love how this turned into our to-do list. (laughs) It it kind of did. (laughs) No, I think one, yeah. Well, we'll talk off the air about that. But Yes, we will. All right. So March 4th, we've got a uh, birthday as for usual. However, we are one day off. I I tried my best to find someone for March 4th, and I could not find someone exciting. Uh, Well, okay. Exciting. I'll give you that. I found two people. Yeah. Not exciting. I had no clue who they were. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, according to those websites we look at, they're famous scientists, but eh. If we don't know them, obviously they're not famous enough, right? So what do we have? Who is born on March 3rd, 1847? Alexander Graham Bell, Scottish-born American scientist, inventor, and scientist. And of course, this should be obvious to anybody in grade school, uh, credited with inventing the first telephone, holder of the first patent for the telephone, and also one of the founders for AT&T. AT&T, maybe this is news for some of our uh, listeners, well, I can't talk today. Uh, stands for American Telephone and Telegraph Company. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I knew it was uh, an older company. I didn't know it was that old. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize AT&T stretched back all the way there. To uh, Bell himself. Ooh, That's awesome. Now, there's some uh, competition for who was the first uh, to actually invent the telephone. And uh, it actually, I read up on this a bit. Uh, it ended up uh, being a bunch of lawsuits. It dragged out for almost a decade went all the way to the Supreme Court, 
And uh, there's some dispute to the story that he was the first to invent the telephone. And, Who is that uh, person? Uh, Elisha or Elisha Gray. I thought Elisha. Elisha, yeah. Elisha Gray. That'll be the name of my firstborn. Elisha. I thought it was going to be Delbert. Yeah, I was thinking Chris Keller, Abby Foner. I, I think I like that, that one. a lot better. <laughs> that kid is going to be bullied. I can tell you how much right now <laughs> with that name. All right. Bullying is not okay, people. Uh, so I... Uh, <laughs> Telephone, uh, so some dispute, and it turns out he actually submitted uh, the patent to the telephone on the same day to the uh, patent office. Hmm. So who is credited or what happened with the Supreme uh, Court result? Eventually everything was dismissed and uh, there were uh, salacious stories of uh, Bell's lawyer even bribing the patent officer to uh, take... With $100 at the time, which in today's money would have been $2,700 uh, oh. to effectively uh, take the first patent over the other. All, all of these, n- none of this ever held up in court. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. They should make a movie about that or a documentary. They make movies about everything else. They do. And uh, Alexander, Alexander Bell went on to uh, hold uh, 16, 17 other patents. And um, however... Uh, I'm feeling bad for him right now. Trust (laughs) me. (laughs) He uh, apparently, uh, and I did not know this, uh, researching him for this episode, I uh, found this out. He was an advocate of compulsory sterilization. He was a known eugenicist. Uh, we will not get into the details of that. Yeah, we can uh, save that for a future episode in case anybody (laughs) wants to know. Eugenics? Yeah. All right. So uh, back to our topic today. So we thought that we would uh, give a coronavirus update because uh, that uh, uh, endemic epidemic uh, still going on. We haven't pandemic. called it. Let's and, just call yeah. it what it is. Yeah, <laughs> pandemic, I would say. Uh, and so, and, uh, so we figured we'd give an update on that and uh, we would do a bit of uh, uh, preparedness in the U.S. and how the media is treating the uh, pandemic. I, I like think it. that's where I a like lot it. of our kind of debate and maybe some of our views, you know, will come into play. But again, How much is too much? How alarming sure. is some of this information? Is it sensationalistic? So on and so forth. And we decided on this because it is timely. And yes. so you know, historically, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe it'll give you a perspective of where we currently are mm-hmm. during the outbreak and yeah. then during our our nation's response to the yeah because our last episode was what three weeks ago mm-hmm. right and i mean we still have this in the news daily multiple uh, uh, daily updates i think it's it, it's been taken to an even higher level than it was three weeks ago i agree yeah right. I agree. and so i think it's and our uh, opportunity to address that yeah and we'll do as many episodes on the topic as we need to if uh our uh and listeners... more questions coming in i mean yeah. uh, we even i've had a few questions that were just texted to me from friends sure. saying what about this or that and we've included some of that information in yeah. here yeah and so, for our listeners we anticipate uh another episode in the future on this topic so if you want to send us uh your questions we're happy to answer those or any uh questions on any science topic you want us to talk about yeah so what's uh, what are the current stats as of what today or at the very latest yesterday? Well, what's uh, going on? I checked these numbers from the WHO website, World Health Organization, about an hour ago. So uh, confirmed cases, according to the World Health Organization, stand at about ninety three thousand. Some media in the U.S. Uh, are reporting around ninety four thousand or so, but uh, the, the WHO has ninety three thousand and ninety four cases. 
with 3,198 deaths in 77 countries, with 80,000 cases being in China, uh, and then uh, 5,000 or so cases in Korea. Uh, obviously, this is South Korea. We have no idea what happens in North Korea. I'm sure they have cases in North Korea. They have to. Right, I mean, they're wedged between China and South Korea. They must oh, absolutely. Have, yeah, and but, but we're but not going to know. We will never know. I still, yeah. I, I bet you, at the end of all of this, North Korea will say we had zero cases. No, because you know. Oh, I'll take that bet. I'm interested. Now. I <laughs> yeah. want to see this. Uh, China, eighty thousand. Korea, five thousand or so. Italy at twenty five hundred uh, went from uh, zero to twenty five hundred in, in about a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iran, it's a true epicenter now. Iran, same thing, went from zero to 2,300 uh, in about a week as well. And this is something, not to interrupt you, but this is something that, I mean, they add this as a separate line now in these tables of confirmed cases. The next the one. Diamond Princess Cruise, <laughs> 706. Yeah. Isn't that insane yeah. that and among that, all these other countries, we now have this subset it's own of little country. cruise. It, it's on its own little country, floating country. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, mean, love, uh, I love how the uh, WHO calls, call, calls that category international conveyance mm-hmm. yep <laughs> but it is it is yeah no I, I found that funny but you know there's a there's a bit of controversy with that uh a, a lot of uh, scientists and epidemiologists uh, had said from the outset of this thing that the worst thing to do is to quarantine them on the ship and keep them there you should release them yeah. to their respective countries and have them be self-quarantined for two weeks in their own houses yeah and it uh, turns out they were right because uh, what happened is uh, that uh, all of that close quarters in the uh, ship ended up uh, pretty much infecting almost Enhancing everyone. the spread. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that was the uh, basis for the 40 or so uh, original cases that came to the United States. They all came from that cruise ship. Mm-hmm. So what about in the U.S.? Uh, where are we standing? Well, before from? we get there, just, just two more. Uh, Japan's got about 280 cases and France has about 200 and... I decided not to list the ones that have under 200 cases, but I'm sure they'll creep up within the next uh, week or so. Okay. So in the U.S., we have 108 confirmed cases, according to the World Health Organization. Um, different numbers being reported by the CDC. That's standing at 60 confirmed cases. So a bit of a discrepancy there. I would say so, yeah, almost twice as based much. Based on you know lack of updating the numbers or... Maybe some speculation that we'll get into a little bit later in the episode. Or maybe the CDC is a bit more stringent in what it calls confirmed cases, but they they haven't really told us what they are calling confirmed cases. So at this point, and this is another source of discrepancy, there are, what, uh, six deaths? Now, I looked it up and... They're at nine. They're at nine as of this morning at 9.59 a.m. So, But the CDC still says six. Still says six. On their website. That number has yet to be updated on the CDC website. And what, those deaths, most of them occurred in nursing homes in the elderly. All All of of them them. in Washington State. Okay, in the nursing home in elderly uh, populations. Seattle area. And did they declare an emergency in Washington State? Right? I don't know if they did, actually. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up, but I thought I saw something on the news that there was a state of emergency. Okay, I'll double check that. So, uh, yeah, those are the uh, confirmed numbers by the uh, World Health Organization and the CDC, 108 and 60. Uh, various news agencies are reporting around 130 cases in 16 states and nine deaths. And we'll come back to the CDC and U.S. response. So, should we call this a pandemic? Yes. 
That was a uh, very... It's an easy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the definition of a pandemic is, is more than the usual number of cases uh-huh. in um, and so countries on every continent except right. Antarctica, of course. Which we have, yeah. Uh, we we have that zero would one case is more than zero, so um, and, and it's definitely so a pandemic. I, I you know I just think we're not using that word because it's going to further promote fear, fear mm-hmm. and panic. Yeah. I mean, your your heading here is um, you know should I freak out? <laughs> is right. it a pandemic? Sure. Should should you freak out? No, no. no. Even if it is a pandemic, well, and, you should and, not freak. You know. Out. Uh, because think preventative of, measures are still key here. And they that's what are we're going to be. They are. On. Let me just put it in perspective. You know, think about the number of flu cases that we've had. The number of flu deaths. Nine people will die from the flu today in this country. At least. At least. Mm-hmm. So and far, there about have been nine 8, people thousand deaths yeah. of the flu this season. This season, in the U.S. alone. Yeah, that counts last year too. But yeah, this yeah. flu season. But this season in the U.S. alone. Yeah. And 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 that's normal. So. Or we consider that normal. Yeah. We consider. I mean, yeah. Sure, sure. We consider that normal, but. Now, now you have something new, and it's scary, and we're saying everybody's going to get infected. But, I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, 90% of these cases are from China still. Mm-hmm. You know, we're having a few little epicenters that we're monitoring, like you said, Iran Italy. and Italy. Huh? Uh, we, I think the U.S. will become an epicenter. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, especially uh, with the evidence of with, with different spread. Areas, and it will probably spread through the community. The thing right. is... How many people are actually getting severe? We still don't know this answer. How many people are getting severe disease versus how many people are getting maybe just an upper respiratory tract infection? Well, we've got a study that came out of China that addresses some of these, but we'll, but we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. So if you think about it, 95% plus of these cases are coming from between China, Korea, Italy, and Iran. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So is it going to continue? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Should we panic about it? No, the the mortality rate is probably over, is over calculated. But I, I got it about three point four, three point five percent. Right. And my my guess is you're going to see a lot of people coming down with 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 a cold like symptoms with this rather than just going straight to pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and and those studies are probably ongoing right now. You just have to look to see if patients have antibodies. Which could lend itself to underreporting, thinking that it's just like common cold symptoms, but also leads to a transmission issue, right? And that's something Correct. that they're thinking with children is that um, what we'll get into later, children might represent a significant transmission issue. Sure. Uh, they're just not getting case. severe disease, which yeah. is an interesting fact in and of itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's other there's other diseases like uh, mononucleosis. That's another one you don't typically see in kids. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting. So uh, to to the topic of how deadly the virus has been, right? So uh, <clears throat> there's a study that uh, got published last week that had uh, taken data up to February 11th. So a little bit about, uh, you know, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is interesting to uh, look at these numbers. And um, for the age population of zero to nine, so, you know, toddlers and little kids, they have seen no deaths whatsoever. That's so interesting. And yeah. keep in mind, looking at this table, 416 is not a big end, but you know you should definitely see at least some deaths there. You would think. You, you would think, think so. Yeah, yeah. less yeah. than Which 1%. tells me it probably has a lot to do with the immune response, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is not developed in right in children. So yet, a stronger immune response. Yeah. yeah. So and uh, for the age population of ten to nineteen, 
the case fatality rate is 0.2%. Mm-hmm. So, and it stays at 0.2% up to 39 years of age, and then it doubles to 0.4% if you're in the category of 40 to 49, then steadily goes up. And what's the highest? Highest is, uh, according to this uh, data, is uh, 14.8% in those over 80 years of age. And still, we're not talking about a lot of, of cases. You got to keep that in mind, too, is the yeah. number of cases do matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, re- they reported 10,000 cases in the 50 to 60 year old population. Yeah. Uh, which is 10 times the amount mm-hmm. than those that are over 80. But yet right. the mortality rate was 1.3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so a lot more people gives you a lot more opportunity for more deaths. Right. Even though the percentage is lower. Total number of confirmed cases in this study, because it was uh, uh, wrapped up by February 11th, is 44,000. And we now know that we are at twice that much. Yes. So mm-hmm. if these numbers hold, they'll be twice as much. But we know that the rate, the average rate, according to this study, of case fatality rate is 2.3%. But we know now that it's uh, closer to 3 And did you read, how are these cases confirmed? All confirmed by uh, PCR. Okay. Real time. Real time PCR. That's all we got. Uh, for the yeah for for this virus, and uh, some studies in uh, uh, China. No other country has been doing that, but China is the only country that is also using. But they have stopped. They used it for a while, then stopped using it. Uh, uh, CT scans to diagnose it based on a ver- combination of and, symptoms, yeah. right? Okay. So that's my concern: is is who exactly did they count as a case here? Right. Yeah, uh, but for, know, conf- for this for this conf- particular study, I it think it's all PCR. PCR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, really that is what the rest of the world is using: uh, PCR confirming. Uh, by and and again, for our listeners, that looks at genetic material. And if you have it, if you have that genetic material, you definitely have that virus. In You're not going to get that. Right. This is a, an real RNA time. virus. So yeah. we're looking for specific sequences. It's very, very highly it's sensitive. very precise, especially with right. the real-time PCR mechanism. Yes. So one thing that I want us uh, to talk about, there, there are a lot of cases that are uh, either asymptomatic or uh, undiagnosed, mm-hmm. right? And that gets to the difference between case fatality rate and infection fatality rate. So case fatality rate is, in, the, in a lot of these published data, is effectively looking at the number of deaths from confirmed cases, mm-hmm. right? But there are actual cases out there that are not diagnosed or are uh, symptomatically asymptomatic, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think the actual death rate is lower than we think it is because there are more cases out there that are asymptomatic or untested or undiagnosed but are not resulting in deaths. Well, even some of the deaths that we talked about that have been attributed to the flu could in fact be attributed to coronavirus linked deaths. Sure, yeah, that is a possibility. So uh, again, some ambiguity here in terms of, and I think I talked about it with one of you off the air. What was the one symptom that's different between flu and coronavirus? Was it the aches? Is that what you said? So they're they're saying that only so far, and again, according to this study, the same study, they're saying only 14 or so percent of patients have body aches that you typically- coronavirus. In the coronavirus that you typically see with the flu. Yeah. Achy joints, achy muscles with the flu. In this study, they're saying only about 14% of patients have actually exhibited that, so- it's interesting. I, I want to go back real quick to the thought about um, 
Case fatality case versus fatality, infection. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we're never going to have a clear answer to that. I, I agree. Know, but, I agree. But that's what I say about serology. So we can look for antibodies in, in people eventually. After the fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, it, it is definitely warranted. And, and my guess is it will be done. Uh, to give us an idea of how many people were exposed and maybe were infected and infectious. So they're able to transmit mm-hmm. to people, but just never really developed severe enough symptoms to be diagnosed, yeah. uh, let alone confirmed diagnosed. I mean, why would you run a PCR in somebody that doesn't have the symptoms that you're exactly. looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like Delbert's saying, I, I strongly believe we're going to find out that the actual fatality rate overall is going to be at least half, if not even yeah. even the lower. Yeah. Than yeah. And I, I don't think we'll have an answer to that question for another year, maybe. I mean, this, this outbreak, even at an overall 2.3, if that T- you know, trends correctly. Mm-hmm. That's lower than some flu outbreaks. Yeah. That's definitely lower than SARS. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, def- yeah. You know, much lower. And and so, I mean, there's there's diseases out there that are much more. I mean, you, you talk about some of the pneumonias. Yeah. I mean, the, the mortality rate can can be triple this. The reason everybody's freaking out about this is that uh, it, it, the the disease uh, or the virus seems to be. Highly contagious. Yes. Compared to other coronavirus outbreaks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're looking for yeah. it actively too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so we're better at screening from better. the previous coronavirus outbreak. Sure. Sure. You know, there's we we're able to screen. There are tests. There are. Yeah. But uh, but we're looking for it. I, I think that's a really important fact. I mean, there's a lot of people that have the flu that may not go diagnosed. They sit at home. They know they have the flu. No reason to go into the doctor because they might give you a pill that will ease your symptoms by a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Well, one of my friends uh, from high school texted me uh, yesterday or the day before effectively saying, well, why is the World Health Organization effectively uh, telling countries to prepare and sounding the alarm bells and this and that if you don't think it's uh, that dangerous? And uh, my answer to that is that... uh, they're effectively telling countries that the earlier you respond to this, the earlier you try to contain and test and the better uh, your pre- treat uh, symptoms, the better your outcomes are. are. Yeah. The more that these countries and governments prepare for possible outbreaks, you don't want to be caught, um, you know, blindsided. Also know what this. your deficits are, because like as yes. there, there are a lot of countries out there that do not have proper healthcare systems. And knowing oh, that yeah. ahead of time and asking for the help before the outbreak gets to your country is going to be uh, a huge uh, plus. Well, and that brings up an issue that I would imagine some Americans could be facing in the coming weeks or months. One of the preventative measures that is commonly being talked about is, okay, of course, washing your hands and all of that. But if you are sick, you need to stay home, mm-hmm. right? Well, for, some we Americans, ask for the same thing with the flu. Yeah. St- st- but, stay home so you don't infect other people, the, but yes. seek help at your local ER if you are out of breath or it, your symptoms get worse and that you you need yeah, to get the proper treatment. But the one thing that is maybe being overlooked at times is the fact that some people cannot afford financially to stay home um, given financial yeah. Especially you know, if you're constraints. hourly in the U.S. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean... The thing about this outbreak is it's having a lot of effects, whether it's alarmist or not, in terms of, you know, what stock market, financial well, issues, um, 15% uh, down, yeah. even like sporting events that we're going to talk about. That's mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, 
maybe not as important, but it's still disruptive is what I'm saying. This outbreak very has dis- proven to be quite disruptive very, very. in recent memory. What's the alternative? Uh, so, you know, we're we're kind of like uh, healthcare pundits right now. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we've we've got our opinions, but uh, they're, they're based on facts and outbreaks that have occurred in every single one where we were all going to die and then nothing happened. Yeah. And so this they keep crying wolf. They keep crying wolf. And there's no wolf. Well, then there's the the what if. I mean, this is definitely a CYA moment, you know, cover your ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that's why the WHO say take the precautions. Now, and there's nothing wrong with taking the precautions. They're the that's same right. yeah. ones we ask for you to take for the flu. It is amazing, though, how – and I thought of this the other day. Different cities and different pharmacies and, like, let's say CVSs or Rite Aids are selling out of – hand sanitizer right it, it, yeah it's gone. based on this outbreak and this media coverage and, masks. and i saw something an article the other day saying why where is this response whenever officials warn about you know flu season's coming up wash your hands make sure you're because sanitized we're used right? to it right? yeah yeah look the media needs to sell some some stories and some spots and they're trying to bring they in do yeah. viewers and and why not sensationalize something that is going to scare the crap out of you because fear that, that'll get me to watch right so do we want to go into fear and this sensationalistic slant or do we want to touch on um under testing or this issue of inadequate testing Sp- at this moment? speaking of hand sanitizer because you know i i re- <laughs> I, I read anecdotal stories uh, online mm-hmm. but i just looked it up actually i'm on amazon's website right mm-hmm. we're not making an ad for anyone right of course uh Purell advanced hand sanitizer, refreshing gel, clean scent, one liter pump bottle, $200. I wonder how that compared to a few weeks ago, what the price Unreal. markup is on Unreal. that. Do we know? I mean, we could probably look that up given time, but and just for there our, are profits yeah. being made off of this. Oh, absolutely. Eight, just like eight ounce, else, $50. People are selling masks for lots $50. of dollars $50 for eight ounce. So let me look up masks. Yeah, what, you, you what, do you, what do you call those? And we'll talk about masks in a second. Just uh, yeah, not up. the end. Like they're your regular mask, not the N95. Oh, mask. even this cheap mask? I don't Face I don't, mask? Yeah. Uh, it's just for our listeners. Soap and water is the way to go. That's it. Uh, you can actually make you your can, own sanitizer at home. You can make your own soap at home too. Yep. Soap go. and water works better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing how, you know, all of these things that should have normally been done. I'm glad a light is being shed on it and that hopefully more people are doing it now to prevent it. But where was this level of response with each new uh, flu strain that you know? Well, comes around? I, but, but with each new flu strain, I mean, we 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 have new strains every year. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. We call it a genetic drift. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um, there's enough variation that you know your flu vaccine may not work, and we report that. Then people think, well, why should I get the flu vaccine? Well, you know, it, it, at least we have a vaccine. Right, that might help boost your immunity. Yeah. But when we have a shift, that's a brand new virus, like the swine flu back in what 2010. Sure. And and the avian flu in the early 2000s. I mean, the, those those were sensationalized by the media. They were new, and so nobody had immunity. They went through, and every, you know, lots of people got sick. You know, the, the mortality rate varied depending on like the avian flu was pretty nasty. It had a mm-hmm. high mortality rate, but they sensationalized it because they're new. 
Yeah. There, no, there's there's no protection. We're you know. I mean, think think of uh, all the media coverage wall to wall of the Ebola outbreak. Oh yeah, you know, we're we're all gonna die Post. from Ebola. Oh, yeah. and, and, and and all we had is like what one or two cases. I think in the three cases three. total. In the and there were like healthcare workers that came back and they were immediately yeah. quarantined. Yeah, exactly. And, we knew who they were. Unreal, right? But and I, I remember because one of one of our colleagues, Doctor Moscatello, was traveling at the time and went through i think cleveland airport at the time that the nurse had escaped from texas and what and it was all through the news like they're tracking this nurse through the airports and, <laughs> and i'm thinking my gosh you, well, know, you know when when is it and why is that news yeah well, it's not like she's that, gonna cough on somebody you know that speaking of ebola um time magazine did a study and they showed that um 23 times more articles in uh, english language print news uh covered or is covering the coronavirus outbreak in its first month compared to the same time period for the Ebola thing in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, already, if you're wanting to talk about is this times. being sensationalized, then there is evidence. So there are data that point to it. Yeah. So, but, so I mean, after I, we survive this outbreak, right. is there going to be 23 times more next time? <laughs> I mean, I mean could it gosh, grow? Right? Will it go hey, down? Yeah. You can't not watch a news program. Even your local news, yeah. they mention it at least two times. At least. You're and, you know, now? An hour. I, mm -hmm. The first, and I don't remember what uh, news outlet I was, I was reading about earlier this morning. The first line of that article was, uh, coronavirus already more deadly than Ebola. I'm like, oh come on, people! Like, oh yeah, this, you're marking that up. That you are scaring people for no reason. Ask, oh, of course. I mean, of course it is. What is the R not for Ebola? It was two around two. <laughs> And Unreal. this one, this one, we still don't know. I'm going to tell you, we don't know. They, they have calculations out there, mm -hmm. but because of the early. Uh, non-sharing of pertinent data from china i don't think we know what the the r dot's gonna be yeah but it's still i mean it's still calculated under three or four from the last yeah last yeah. numbers i saw it that was discussion we had last time was about the r not and then the number of people that can get sick from one infected person and there are major you know um these major news sources that some people rely on quite heavily that are using buzzwords that are probably lending more panic and fear. And I'm not saying some panic and fear, maybe that compels that person to go out and buy the what two liter pump action bottle of uh, $200. Yeah, there you go. And up. maybe that leads to better prevention, but using buzzwords like fear, afraid, even something like killer virus. Um, I think there was an article in the telegraph, that uh, described and painted a really surreal picture of scenes in Wuhan using words like killer virus, afraid, fear, anguish. Uh, it's, so what it, you're saying is that the adjectives that the media use do matter and can sway public opinion. Potentially. Yeah. Interesting. Well. <laughs> but, but that's I why mean, we're doing this podcast. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, one thing we should stress to everyone, stay off of social media. My Do gosh. not mm -hmm. get your news from there. I have seen you have you have no idea how many posts I have seen on my Facebook or Twitter feed from someone that says, oh, my friend is a uh, epidemiologist or a doctor here and there. And this is what they recommend. And I read it and, and, and it's rubbish. Well, even news sites, they link it to these small town like news outlets, and they've been talking about beards. 
And they've been spreading misinformation, false information, saying, oh, CDC is recommending that, you shave. that all men shave your beards. And can we <laughs> put that to rest out? right now? Can we say right now? That's false. That's that false. is, we can well, say false news. Just because we all have in beards. That respect. <laughs> and that's all. And I'm not getting rid of us up here. I'm sorry. But Delbert, you brought up a good point when we talked about it over our morning coffee, like last week or the beginning of this week. Not only is that false, but actually having a beard can be somewhat of a protective mechanism, right? I mean, it, it can uh, trap uh, particles, sure. But I mean, you know, not proven. Not yeah, proven not proven. People. We're not spouting. Anecdotal. I just want to know who started this. Was it Gillette? Gillette, could I mean, be to drive yeah, up I mean, their stock. No, you know, you know how that started. The uh, CDC had a, a cartoon out there of uh, people wearing face masks, mm -hmm. males wearing face masks, and what sort of facial hair would the face mask be most effective with, right? And those that had beards, uh, the CDC was saying, oh well, I mean, if you have a beard and you try to wear a face mask, it's not going to be as effective as if you didn't. I agree. Which we all agreed to, right? And then people took that as the CDC is advising you to shave your beard. But they didn't fully investigate that. And even no, that, no. I mean, that was from a few years past. Like, And it like, took off like along, crazy. Along yes. those lines. So, it went viral, one would say. Well, oh, then we got to make oh, an anti-viral oh. for that. That's we should just joke. end this podcast right <laughs> viral. now. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching, a, uh, listening to a news site. And they had uh, Fauci on there. We can talk about whatever you want if we have time. Anthony Later. Fauci, the uh, yeah, uh, sorry, director yes. of the NIH. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was... NIAID, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it was interesting because he was taking questions from the media. And then they would he would respond and they would say, so this is what you're saying. And three times he said, that is not what I said. Mm -hmm. And and this was uh, a press conference that yeah. was being recorded. I remember watching yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so... It goes to wonder. I mean, whatever you think about the you know, the the response by the government, the media is actively trying to put words in their mouth. There's no doubt about it, right oh, I there. Agree. Absolutely, I agree. And so that's at, not only are they using adjectives that they choose, like fear and killer virus, but they're also twisting the words of the people who are trying to do a response. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, there, there's there's significant controversy. With people saying, oh, the administration is trying to muzzle Fauci and, you know, he's been told do not have any press conferences anymore. And mm -hmm. people say, oh, there's a cover up, this and that. And, you know, I thought about it a little bit more. My first reaction was like, uh, OK, well, we shouldn't muzzle the guy. Right. He should be able to say whatever he wants. Right. But then then I thought a little bit more about it. You know, in a situation of pandemic, right, or where nations are facing some sort of threat, whether it's existential or not. Right. Mm -hmm. It helps, I think, to have a centralized message. As long as that centralized message is based on facts, it's not uh, valid information. Valid information. Uh, your government is not lying to you. And you don't have multiple officials disagreeing with each exactly. other in the same conference or well, that would be event. confusing, wouldn't it? it yeah, would be yeah. Very which confusing. is you know, and and I thought you know maybe it's not the end of the world if we have a centralized message responding this is, to this pandemic. Well, but they have to agree. And on that. this is coming from somebody who enjoys cover-ups. Uh, who me? <laughs> well, these come up stories. Well, I mean, I, 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 I enjoy dumping on any administration, particularly this one. But, but yeah, w w without getting too much that's, into that uh, one, no, I mean, it, that's a good point. Yeah. You, if if you are given information, if I tell you to sneeze in your elbow, and then somebody else says, "No, that's bad," you know, what do you? Who do you? What, trust? Who do you trust? Exactly. And, and and the bottom line is, not everything's gonna work. But if you have disinformation. 
it can lead to an increased infection. Right? No, but, I, I think as long as we have a centralized message, that's that's a good thing. Yes. But it needs to be easily accessible to people. It free needs of jargon. To be frequent, free of jargon, yeah. It needs to be frequently updated, yes. right? The CDC website, in terms of total cases, has been, I mean, really shameful. Their numbers right now versus what's out there from the WHO, what's out there from the news articles, what what's out there from actual deaths that we've seen in states, right? Well, better communication, like you said, and better um, liaising. Is that the word? Yeah, right? liaising, yeah. Sure. I word. mean, just talking with each other and think about the public at large. I mean, general public, you know, John Doe is going to see either on the news or within one. Yeah, there you go. Um, either on the news or in a conference, one person saying one thing and then the person yeah. coming up next, yeah. walking those comments back with new information or vague information. Like, I agree with you. There has to be some type of centralized message where there's not panic. And where people know exactly what they need to do to prevent them and their families from getting. And I think there needs to be a uh, daily briefing, even if you don't have necessarily updates in terms of anything changing. Right. Just telling people we're on top of it. Don't worry about it. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah. Uh, You know, stay away from sick people if you can. If you're sick, stay home. Just reassuring the public in these simple measures is going to go a long way. So. I do think a centralized message is important. I do agree with uh, uh, the administration trying to have a centralized message being put out there so as to minimize misinformation or disinformation. But uh, we do need to be more transparent with numbers and daily briefings. Oh, I agree with that. I mean, I... You know, the, the the CDC website is not updated. No, I, I, no it has not been. But but I heard them report the right numbers on, yeah, that, that, on, at the press conference. Yeah, that but yet it's not me, being right? reflected. It, I know. How hard is I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, a webmaster, but how hard is it? It, it, can't, it can't be that hard. No. I mean, it, right. if we can get it done, they can get it done. No, Come and on. we do this, you know, as part of our daily research for the podcast yeah, and for yeah. every episode. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, it's not hard to have a quality control editor. I think a lot of these different organizations should have one person or a team that double checks things and confirms facts to make sure nobody's contradicting. Um, so where do we each stand? I think that's a good debate. Mm. Where do we each stand on the media coverage do we think it's sensationalistic do we think it's causing undue panic or do we think yes 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 yes, yes. yes. okay yeah um i i I think it's overblown but but this isn't the first time it's not a surprise i'm not like oh my gosh yeah yeah of course they do it every single time and it's to get those headlines get those stories get those you know hits on the internet we want to bring people in to read so let's make sure everybody knows they're gonna die of course but do you is there also to place to play devil's advocate for just a minute sure, here? Sure, please. Is there a role for that slight, in, I guess in this case, significantly increased alarm, panic, and fear in getting these people out there, getting the you know washing their hands more? Is it beneficial in a way, or is it more counterproductive currently? Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Because we don't. We don't have this every year, right? Uh-huh. About every three, four years, I think we're, we're having something that's going to kill us all. Yeah. But what about every flu? I mean, d- during flu season, uh, do most people wash their hands? Exactly. No. no. Yeah. Do most people get the vaccine? 
No, the answer is no. I don't know. What, what is the percent of the vaccine? I don't know. We need to look that up. But uh, all it knows is one hundred percent my family. So there, <laughs> according to according one hundred percent in my household, <laughs> according well, <that's> to <laughs> n of one, <laughs> according to some of the data Compliance that I, is high. <laughs> according to some of the data that I found, they were talking about the coverage of the coronavirus, this novel coronavirus, compared to the flu, mm-hmm. and they said that fewer than one in ten stories about influenza mentioned fear or similar phrases compared so, to that alarming language used with the coronavirus so back to your your question should should we make people fear the flu i mean the flu i mean i'm i'm underlining this number here the who says worldwide an estimated th- 300 to 650,000 thousand people are killed every year. by yep. just the flu that's not that doesn't even say secondary infections which mm-hmm. can happen this is the flu alone yep you know what are we talking with with what was it again like not even f- uh, around 4000 3000 3200 yeah right now uh, it might be a little bit higher than that for yeah given a for, given more covid in a year long you know collecting year long data but i Whoa, mean you're talking about a, a hundred six four more yeah it would right. have to increase at quite an alarming rate. And so is it going to? I think that's 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 where we're at. So they're sensationalizing it, sure. Yes. I, I think they're over-sensationalizing it. Should there be um, a modicum of concern? Absolutely. We don't want people to be non-complacent. We don't want people to be non-compliant either. We want them to wash their hands, be concerned, and spend $200 on Purell. Yeah. We want people to be aware and and take precautions. And if they don't, then that's just going to contribute to the spread. Are we going to see more cases of this in the U.S.? Yeah. Likely, yeah, yes. of course, of course, not likely, of course, of course. Okay. We're 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 in the middle of this, I would say. Uh, but by the time the summer comes around, I guarantee it's going to just go away, just like the flu will. And people forget about it exactly. And, and, the, and we're going to forget about it. It's going to be part. It's going to be endemic. We're always going to have this virus. It's not going to disappear, but. It's not going to be sensationalized. It's going to be another common cold. And then once in a while, you might have somebody that does get severe disease from it. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, even if we have a vaccine for this uh, by the end of the year, I bet you if it's made available to the public, everybody rushes to get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> compliance will be high. And then next year, we still, we still have it. the vaccine. No, no one touches no, it. Yeah. 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 Just so like true. what's happening with, uh, in, with the influenza vaccines. So uh, back to that in terms of numbers. I just uh, see yeah. CDC numbers. Yeah. Uh, vaccine coverage for 2018, oh, for the flu, yeah, for the flu, 2018-2019 season for uh, children six months through 17 years, the rates are 62.6 percent. That's good, but I bet you that's because uh, I mean kids go to pediatrics sure. a, a lot, right? Sure, and uh, and for uh. Over 18 years of age, the compliance there is less. The numbers are 45.3%. This is for uh, the uh, 18-19 season. But you know what's interesting about that? They're saying that the 45.3% increase is 8% over the year before. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it used to be in the 30s. That's good news. Yeah, the year before, I think, wasn't, wasn't two years ago that the vaccine wasn't working very well. The flu mist. Uh, uh, well, that was the, three years ago. The flu, the flu mist got t- taken off the yes. market, and the, now it's brought back. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So maybe that's part of the uptake. Could be. Sure. Could be. Could be. Could I be. mean, those those are better numbers. Keep in mind, just for our listeners, if you're thinking about herd immunity, which we've discussed before, forty percent is low. Well, it's low, but you're never going to get herd immunity with the flu because no. of its 
ability to undergo mutations. Right. Yeah. And the vaccine efficacy that's is not why, the greatest. That's why we recommend annual vaccines is to try to keep up with those possible mutations. Yeah. So at this point, what is what are what do we think about governmental responses? To be, be, this? Before we get into into ah. that, uh, just 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 so we can knock it out of the park again, masks. What are we telling people? I I've had people ask me about masks time and time again. No no reason to wear one unless you're symptomatic. Absolutely. Or if you're taking Absolutely. care of somebody who is symptomatic. Sure. If, if you like are a, well, if a you a are a caregiver, the, yes. the the rules change yes. clearly. Sure. And I think if you were a caregiver, you would do your due diligence. And, and and make yourself aware of what the rules are. I hope so. Please, right. Right. if you if you feel somebody's got coronavirus, please go get them diagnosed. Yes. Otherwise, you you might find out that they have something very different. There's a lot of other uh, flu like pneumonia illnesses mm-hmm. out there that you right. should yeah get checked. And again, out. email us. We're happy to answer questions if you have any questions. Sure. And we have a link that's included in the show notes on the proper ways and kind of yeah. procedure for using a face mask as well. Yeah. And do sure. not hoard these things. Do not buy them. Do not go empty your pharmacies. Yeah. We want to make sure, do not buy them. We want to make sure that masks and masks are available for caregivers. Masks are available for hospitals. We do not want a shortage in this country of masks for no reason. You, you, they're, they're not, they're not going to help you or prevent you from uh, getting infected. They're not. Look, most coronaviruses and, and other upper respiratory tract viruses like like the common cold, the the most common way to get them is really fomites. And so we know mm-hmm. these are respiratory droplets. Sure. Mm-hmm. People might sneeze or talk at you. Uh, you know, the the rule still is six feet. Within yeah. six feet, your your droplets will fall. It's not hanging out in the air, right? But more commonly people touch some object that somebody's contaminated. And then, and then you touch your mucous membranes, you touch uh-huh. your face, your nose, and whatnot. And that's the most common way you get infected. A mask is not going to stop that. Oh, the number of people I've seen that just go under the mask to, like, scratch an itch mm-hmm. just defeats the entire purpose. No, it does. You just defeat the entire the, purpose. The masks are really to, for people that are infected to not infect other exactly. people. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, for. from the news coverage that I have seen and news articles that I have read on this, it appears that most media outlets are doing a decent job, and I'm not talking about you know social media, but most large-scale media outlets are doing a good job on education and spreading good information about the use of a mask. Yeah, except for some reason that's not getting out to, uh, it's not sticking with people. I mean, I mean, I see it on Twitter because they've and scared people. Yeah. yeah. So now they're like, well, you know, you don't really need that, even though the killer virus is going right. to even still though we've scared you about it for weeks. Depth of your heart, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so people are, oh my god, I need to go get that mask, whether or not you tell me to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what do you got for us, Fauna? Well, I just wanted to get our opinion and a quick summary of uh, what the government has done in terms of preparing or potentially lack of preparation in terms of the response to the coronavirus. We've hit on how we believe a kind of centralized message, a unified message would probably be best um, amongst all the organizations and the government response team in terms of better educating the public on what to do here as long but, as we're not withholding information because yeah. we don't want to look bad or because the economy can take a tumble right we want information out there yes and i mean accurate information hopefully non-alarmist because as we've talked about there's really no reason to be fully alarmed maybe a bit concerned is that too is, is that too far to oh, say no we i would should say definitely a be bit concerned, concerned. Yeah. should you worry 
Yes. Should you freak out? No. Look, are we 100% correct that it's going to burn out by the summer? Well, it's unknown. No one we knows. don't we know. know about that summer thing because it's such a novel coronavirus. But yeah. we're basing it on observations yes. that we've seen throughout our three careers. And uh, that doesn't mean that the coronavirus will get worse. And we will do an update. Then hopefully then the media will be more moved on to something yeah. else well <laughs> something else will happen but <laughs> it, it, well we've got elections coming up in the u.s i mean at some point they got to cover that i don't know in terms of it's overall viral risk, thing in terms of overall risk assessment for most of the american public uh the risk is considered to be low correct yes. and when you get I, I would that say so, yeah, when you so. get that elevated degree of risk that comes with people in communities where there has been documented community spread of the virus, um, healthcare workers who are caring for patients with COVID-19, um, elevated risk of exposure with people, um, close contacts of people diagnosed with COVID-19, and then travelers, of course. So that just that last point about the travelers, um, I think most of us are get, gearing up for meetings. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so... I mean, I have now received probably 10 different emails from different or organizations about their travel policy and about their their worries, their risks, their refunds around this this outbreak. And it still boggles my mind because you're more likely to get the flu and die at one of these meetings than you are the coronavirus, period. Now, having said that, we, I think, would all agree that we would personally advise you not to travel to China if you don't have, absolutely have to. <laughs> Agreed. I think that's Italy, Iran, I, Korea, Japan. Well, is it all of Italy or is it certain areas? I do not well, know. Right now, it's in northern Italy, So in the Milan You know, I, I'd, I'd hate to, to tell somebody not to go somewhere, but I mean, our, at our last podcast, you know, I, I was saying, well, maybe it would be safe in certain areas of China. Yeah. You know, but then they closed it down pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I think, I think our government was aggressive in, in the travel ban restrictions. Yes, in terms of traveling restrictions, I do agree that the government response there was pretty swift. Swift, it was. Yeah. My question then is, we're, we're in the midst of this outbreak occurring. Do, and do we, and by we, I mean our government, do we need to do a better job at preparing for eventual outbreaks or a response to this outbreak during times when the outbreak isn't occurring. So let's say a year or two ago, having a better plan rather than spending resources over responding, running around like our hair's on fire, all of this media sensationalistic coverage. Well, that, you never and the lack are, of you, are you hinting at the epidemic team being dismantled? I'm hinting <laughs> at that. But what I'm, and I, again, this is apolitical. What I'm simply saying is, that a team was not in place. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, no, there's we're no, working there's, on it now. There's no there's, science in politics. I agree with you. We should, we, sh we should have had a we've had government plans. We, we, yeah, they're we, written. They're down. Do you practice them? What are you gonna do on a? Uh, I'm just thinking out loud. How are you gonna practice this on a? On a, a nationwide scale. Yeah. No, I mean, like no, I, I think he's making reference to the uh, I know a, a, epidemic response team that was fired from or dismantled, that was put together by Obama, dismantled by the Trump team. But I, again, science is not political, right? Our government should be ready for any eventuality, uh, <laughs> especially disease. -wise. And I'm also talking about um, cuts, budget cuts from you know different health agencies that might and I'm, I'm using the word might here i'm not saying for yeah. sure i'm not using any absolutes here but may have been better prepared i mean for god's sakes research agencies that might have um more budget allocations to deal with this pandemic 
currently presently. Let's just deal with it. People ask, oh, uh, can we have a vaccine against this? And my answer usually is yes, you got to pay for it though, you right? Like you, you got to pay the scientists to do the work. And if you if you don't pay the don't don't have grants the money out there to get this done, it's never going to get done. And right? there's no before this point in time, there was no COVID nineteen. Right. There was no point. There was no in developing need, a there vaccine was, for it. There was. I mean, it's the same thing with the flu. When we go through a shift, we we need a new vaccine. Right. So you can't make a vaccine against something that doesn't exist yet, I guess is the point. Yeah. Can you fast track it? Sure. And then they're working on that. But that's still going to take time because the last thing you want to do is introduce into the entire U.S. or world population a vaccine that doesn't work or worse makes you sick. I mean, remember the green African monkey kidney cells in the polio? Right. Vaccine people got herpes B, Lyme disease. There was an early vaccine. It was pulled because of side effects and inefficacy. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. the last thing you want is to say, "Here's a vaccine. Now you're protected." And you I know, guess- we, we may very well end up developing a vaccine for this, and then when it's ready for trials, there's, there's no, no need. There's no yeah. need for it, right? So the uh, best we may thing very you well can end up do there. is prevent, like we've been talking. I guess about. the one thing too, in in dealing with the current crisis, that might have mitigated it slightly is if we had that person or that team in charge that would be able to liaise and coordinate between the different agencies, what half dozen, dozen or so agencies, to better communicate and plan out. Like, for example, the cruise ship fiasco, right? Yeah, that was, a, that was a disaster for sure. I mean, that was a disaster we, we, can, sure. we can call that what it is. Uh, the fact that uh, basically an infected uh, cruise ship and whether and what the decision would be to make there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying one way or another, and I'm not taking a stance here, but with the team in place, there might have been a greater chance that a better decision would have been made. Yeah, I, 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 I think the first week or two of this in the US, it was like, well, who do you listen to? Do you listen to CDC? Do you listen to NIH? Do you listen to NIAID, right? And you could say or, a week is only a week. And yeah, we're doing well, a week what we is can a lot now, for a but a week, seven days, I was getting that to that. A week and seven days might have resulted in, in the future, um, a lower chance of this thing spreading. Now, again, which which is why I think the centralized one message team coming out of the government might be a good thing, uh, provided that they're not hiding information, right? And I don't think our government is hiding information, right? Uh, but uh, well, we don't have any evidence, really, that no, any information say that is being hidden. Exactly yes. right. So what? That, that's why I think this sort of one man, uh, or, or not one man, one 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 spokesperson for this response team is a good thing, uh, but. It should have been a response team of uh, uh, mostly scientists, I think, which seems to be like yeah, there's a lot three of politicians scientists on the team. in a room and see how they agree. Oh, well, yeah. we all are well, agreeing. No, no, we can all agree. We've agreed a few times today. I think. <laughs> but I, I you, think get, you, you get three like specialists, and this is what I work on in the room. You've been yeah, in these you meetings know. where yeah, yeah. you get heads button, oh, and, and that's it's counterproductive. But I'm not saying don't bring scientists. No, in. no, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but would you honestly, right now, if you stop, no more cases, was this a problem? If there are no more cases in the U.S., we know there will be. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's going to go up or stay the same or start declining. Yeah, yeah, we can't. Predict. Most, almost all the cases, almost all of them are with people that have a history of travel or on the boat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the the vast minority of cases are actually community acquired. Mm-hmm. Will it spread? Probably. We agree with that. Yeah, yes. we do. But if I'm just saying, you know, all of this response and all of clear the media for a handful of cases right now, a handful. 
Yeah. Right now, a handful, but it's going to be way more. It's going to be way more. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll, I, I mean, we'll take yeah, that bet. Yeah, we can make yeah. a bet. We'll, we'll, I'm good at bets. We'll do episode number three. What, what odds do you I wouldn't want? want to bet somebody's to life on this. 20 to 1? So. Uh, we'll do episode uh, number three. But I think yeah. one of the messages well, we that will. we'd we like will. to get across here, and it's something that we all agreed on about being apolitical, right? Being fact-based, being apolitical, and health officials, as well as the White House officials, need to be clear in their messaging to the American yeah, public. Yeah, I, I, I think the administration could have been on top of this earlier, sure. My my biggest concern is with the uh, uh, lack of tests available mm -hmm. to health departments across the nation. The CDC this week has promised that they'll have 75,000 new kits by the weekend when in other countries they've tested close to millions, right? So, uh, or hundreds of thousands. So, uh, so far, the number of people tested in the U.S. stands at about 500. And uh, one of the main complaints from health departments and doctors is that they don't have enough test kits, that they are not getting enough test kits. And the CDC is promising that that is going to change. Uh, we'll see what happens. But their promise is that that is changing. Uh, so, to play devil's advocate with increased testing... Um, We're going to see increased numbers, increased sure. numbers, more information, yeah. more accurate information. Yeah. Um, but how much of a negative is that the lack of testing in your opinion? So the fact that we didn't have testing available or reliable testing right from the get go. Um, what does that do? To I, mitigate I, I, I think it, it may be delayed our response by a week or so. Okay. I mean, how, but a how, week is a week. How, how much is that? Yeah. How much is that going to affect it? I don't know. Look, they're still going to, uh, the patients will get supportive care yeah, based on their will. symptoms. They will. Yes. Not and on their diagnosis. I personally yeah, think true. that the outbreak in the U.S. will be less severe than the one in China because mm -hmm. our healthcare system can manage those numbers is a better healthcare system, and in my opinion. Keep patients away from other patients. Right. Mm -hmm. And can can safely quarantine them, give them the proper care. I mean, uh, we saw pictures coming out of uh, Wuhan with overflowing hospitals, mm. patients outside, yeah. under trees, with IV bags hanging on trees, branches, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll get there in the U.S. I think we've got a pretty... Even though our healthcare system is not the best, we've got a pretty good one in terms of taking care of people it might end up costing you a lot of money but, yeah. <laughs> but, but we'll, get, we'll, yeah. we'll get you taken care of right so not to drag this one too long right i, I mean I like, like we said we're likely looking in a few weeks at another episode you know another update more facts things we sure. haven't touched on sure um but i guess we don't want you freaking out our yes. listeners right wash your hands keep a clean environment yep. do not uh go it, Touching people or touching surfaces and touching your face. And no yes. need for a mask. Maybe um, a... Uh, actually, I bought you guys masks. Oh, that's you know, so, um, thank so you so much. I was going to so wear much. them today. That's a joke. It's Maybe everybody joke. should oh, do a... Uh, yeah, my hopes up. I'm sorry. Oh, man. They're going for $300. I know. I was, gonna, no, I was actually going to try to sell mine on, uh, on Amazon. And I think done. we should all do a namaste instead of a handshake. Well, I do fist bumps. Like a little bow. I've been doing fist bumps with my interviewees. Did fist you guys bumps, see? less of contamination. But risk, still, but still, I know. Contamination I know, risk. but how often do you lick your knuckles? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that they're doing a like uh, shoe tapping thing? Um, is that in China? Uh, what are they calling that? it? The uh, Instead of a handshake? The Wuhan like tap? foot yeah. something or tap where they just go up to each other and they just that's kick just each other's shoes and that's it. And they keep the, a distance. Uh, the, the, the French uh, today are... Uh, there's a few headlines saying, oh, 
do the French have to stop the daily hello kiss? You know, and I'm like, what? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you do. postpone it. You know, <laughs> say hey, I'll kiss. I'll say hey, I'll kiss the, you later. You know, which is you know that's also very common in the Mediterranean and the Middle East, and even mm-hmm. between uh, uh, males, you shake hands and uh, there's a uh, cheek kiss, right? And that's that's very common for a hello. Yeah. So just a, a few other things, because I had questions that um, were actually texted yeah. to me. We're close to an hour, so we should be as Yeah, of course. But um, one common question that I got from a few of my friends who have children were, what is the risk for children? And we touched on this, right? But um, relatively few children have tested positive and deaths in children from that China study was absolutely zero, correct? And under nine. And, under yeah. nine. Yeah. And deaths in children are very, very um Right now, rare. very low. Yeah. Very low. Now, again, um, less than 1% of confirmed cases in China were in individuals who were nine or younger. These low numbers of infections could be due to the low number of children being exposed, low number of children being infected, or low numbers that are developing severe enough symptoms to present for care. But um, the one thing that we did touch on was possible transmission issue. But overall, in terms of the um, uh, risk for children right now, relatively low compared to other age groups. That's right. Yep. Um, We talked about, I just found this interesting and whether we think this is alarmist or not, but um, events that are likely to be either postponed or radically changed due to this outbreak. Uh, March Madness, the NCAA is considering having the basketball players play in empty stadiums, which I think would be interesting to watch. I'm not a big fan well, now of Now the March team's going to be on the same court? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> are they allowed to play against each other? I don't know. It's a virtual, the, uh, virtual Olympic basketball. Games, uh, Olympic games might be postponed uh, till the fall instead of the summer. But that's still possible, right? That's depending on what happens in the next few months. And it looks like because uh, the uh, international box office from China, Japan, South Korea, and Italy, they are predicting right now a potential $5 billion loss from diminished box office revenue. Well, the stock market lost 400. Oh, well, we didn't even talk about (laughs) stock market. Yeah. So, I mean, back to our thing of disruption. This is whether it's... uh, appropriate or not or necessary necessary or not not. well what do you guys think do you think um let's say in a few weeks do you think those basketball games should be played in empty stadiums to limit the uh social spread of this of the coronavirus i i don't i don't think it's gonna be my opinion is i don't think it's gonna be that big a deal Mm -hmm. and it'll be gone in a couple weeks i mean if if you think about it it's been three weeks since we start we did the podcast Mm -hmm. and that was a month after we really knew there was a problem, right? I mean, the, clearly it was, went, goes back to last year, but that was a little hidden, a little hidden, a little hard to find, right? But but think about the the global travel that happened while that was occurring before we even knew there was a problem. Mm-hmm. Where are all these cases? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I think a lot of I mean some some countries that have an uh, overreaction. I mean, Italy today canceled classes in all schools and universities for two weeks and study abroad trips right everything has been canceled yeah uh i mean here even we have a a medical school that has a and a dental and a pharmacy school that has a few thousand people on campus every day yeah we Uh, we have a right here we're going around business is normal is there a disaster plan that i just got but yeah we do have we uh, have a we have a plan we have a plan in place lee comes on top of it all right so uh let's get to our game section all right so um you know, the guest of the microbes segment. I think this is the third one now. Third, fourth, maybe fourth, third one. Maybe, third one. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, each week we present a little scenario. We ask our listeners to please write in. Uh, we had three correct answers to last episode. We didn't have three correct answers. That's right. That's right. Correct. We we had a, a few other responses too, and we uh, we appreciate those as well. Um, and we do we do have a gift sitting over there, ready to go. Okay, so um, here, uh, just a quick recap. Last episode, I asked about the spores of Clostridium perfringens, um, that these can be found in the soil and the animals' GI tracts, our human GI tracts. We know it can cause gas gangrene um, and food poisoning, which just – I left the numbers in here just to kind of uh, line up with what we're talking about. It costs the U.S. $152 estimated $152 billion a year. Look at that. No one's, uh, no media is talking about I'm, Well, I'm, That's what the pause is for. I'm waiting to hear it. <laughs> Should we be afraid? Any Through 325,000 hospitalizations and over 5,000 deaths just from food poisoning. Uh, anyway, the question was, you know, with all the efforts to try to minimize and limit Clostridium perfringens from getting into our food, there was one food that requires Clostridium perfringens to make. And uh, the the question was, what was that food? And the answer is something called salt rising bread. Uh, and the salt is kind of a misnomer. It was added in there to kill off yeast, but it allowed the, the actual bacteria to spores to survive. Uh, we had several correct answers submitted. Uh, we selected the winner randomly, and the winner is Bonnie Wynn. Bonnie, please contact Dr. B. Abdullah to get your prize. Absolutely. Or... Uh, the uh, any one of us any one of us is mm. fine that's true um and uh so another one of our listeners cheyenne sent in a very detailed explanation i actually wanted to read hers uh because it it really tells you what um this salt rising bread is which is just in my opinion disgusting <laughs> <laughs> cheyenne writes hey dr a c and k i joined your last episode on covid19 didn't realize you started a guessing game at the end of your podcast Thank you for listening, Cheyenne. Obviously, I don't want a prize, but I love a good riddle. When you brought up Clostridium perfringens being used to produce food, I thought of how it's famous for producing gas like gangrene. And a mix of bacteria and yeast are used to make sourdough bread rise. That's right. And it turns out sourdough starter is usually a combination of lactobacillus and yeast. But in my search there, I did find a bread that uses Clostridium perfringens to produce the gas that makes it rise. And that's the salt rising bread. And she did some homework. It's a traditional bread from the Appalachian Mountains region, dating back to times when yeast was not commercially available in America. And so they kept this, this bread starter in salt. It actually inhibited the growth of organisms like yeast and allowed Clostridium perfringens spores to survive. And that's what made the gas that made the bread rise. Absolutely. Cool. And so like Cheyenne said, before the 1860s, there was no commercial yeast available. So most breads were leavened through sourdough starters or even better by skimming the yeast from the beer making process. Mm, but neither of these were available in pioneer life. And so they made this, the, the salt rising bread. Um, and just some, some facts in 1910, scientist uh, Henry A. Komen concluded that a variety of anaerobic bacteria is what allowed the bread to rise. And then in 1923, another microbiologist, Stuart Kozer, began to suspect the mix might include bacteria found in the human intestines and wounds. And so he actually conducted a few experiments with guinea pigs. 
and these bacteria and fed them the bread and they survived. Um, and he confirmed that it, it, where the spores were in the bread. So he took it a step further and uh, he baked a loaf using Clostridium perfringens from a soldier's gangrenous wound, ah. creating the most disgusting bread in history. Yeah, that is uh, nasty. By the way, when he fed that to the guinea pigs, they didn't make it. I was so. going to say. So we'll, we, um, I, I found all this information from um, a, uh, a website, and we'll post that to our podcast page. All right. All right. Um, so that- in the interest of time, we will not read the other emails we received, but thank you for writing in. Yeah, everybody yes. who wrote yes, in. Yes, thank you so much. Yes. Maybe we'll uh, read them next episode okay. if we have time. So but, then uh, briefly, new game. briefly yeah. this one's brief. Uh, this episode's Guess That Microbe um, is originally discovered as a cause of fever anemia, and even death of cattle in Romania. This human pathogen can cause fever and flu-like symptoms, progressing to anemia, respiratory distress, and hematuria. The first human case was described in a farmer from Yugoslavia who was originally diagnosed with malaria, which was rampant at the time. And he was hospitalized with fever, anemia, jaundice, and hemoglobinuria. And he later died from the disease. Today, uh, different species of this pathogen live in several areas throughout the United States, including the Northeast U.S. So today's questions are, uh, what is the genus and species name of this pathogen? And what are two ways it can be transmitted to humans? And I want two ways. All right. If you think you know the answer or you want to research the answer, please email us at thebiobusters at gmail.com. We would be happy to uh, read your response next time on the air and uh, hand your prize. And uh, anything else, guys? Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine we should say anything else. Yeah, I know. We're already <laughs> over time. Um, we but are. We definitely are in the market for more questions about the coronavirus. We keep getting or more any other questions. Topic. Yeah, let us and know what you want, topic, of course. want us to do some research on or, yeah. uh, or, or discuss our particular backgrounds and strengths. We are happy to do that. Any yeah. topic you want to talk about, we're happy to discuss. Not philosophy. Not philosophy. All right. That's our show for today. You can email us at thebiobusters at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. Just search for the Biobusters. Uh, you can also just Google the Biobusters, and we are the top hit right now. Top hit. And uh, I'm Delbert Abdala. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Delbert. And you can find Christopher Fawner at Fawner916. Dr. Keller can be found in the medical school building on most days. Except the weekend. You can also email. It depends on the weekend. Depends on the weekend. Sometimes we are in. That's not correct. Thank you all for listening. And thanks to Banamani for the music. All right. Thank you.